All right, be turning to uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke, we're going to wrap the chapter up this morning. Luke 11. But let's review real quick. Who wrote Luke? Luke. Luke. All right, y'all get a little more excited about that. Who wrote Luke? Luke. Luke. All right, who is Luke? Historian, doctor, musician, musician, ministry companion to Paul. All right, who's he writing to? Theophilus Theophilus and the Gentiles. That's right. And who is Theophilus? Most excellent. Most excellent. What does that mean? He is high in status. He's high in status. That's right. That's all we know about him. And what is the reason that Luke is writing the book? Yeah. And to give a quarterly account orderly account <laughs> all right all right well good stuff any questions no all right well last week we talked about hypocrisy in the body and uh, we saw what Jesus did he invited a uh, he was invited to eat into a Pharisee Pharisee's home and uh, things real quick got pretty testy uh, when Jesus didn't wash his hands before he ate and the Pharisee was amazed wasn't he? He was amazed at that. Uh, Jesus neglected this tradition. And so Jesus kind of lays into the Pharisee uh, about uh, the hypocrisy of being uh, really only concerned with his outward appearance rather than the sinfulness, the inward sinfulness of his heart. And uh, I mean, we see that today. People are fooled by outward appearances, but God sees straight into the inward defiance. Uh, it's all just uh, what it's, it's all just window dressing unless the heart's right. Uh, so Jesus, he rebuked the Pharisee and he explains to the Pharisee that, that in their actions, they were making everything all about themselves. He told them that uh, they, they make all these efforts to to do good things. They, they, they try so hard to do all these things that they call good or call law, but they're ignoring their selfish, unforgiving hearts. He told them they're seeking the approval of people over the approval of God. And he said, uh, you crave recognition um, and you're leading others astray. And that's kind of where we stopped last week, but it's not where Jesus stopped. So uh, he's, he's kind of on a roll here and we're going to pick that up right now. Let's finish reading this last section. So if you're there, let's all stand and uh, honor the reading of God's holy and perfect word. Uh, Luke chapter 11, we start in verse 45. Starting verse 45. And one of the uh, lawyers said to him in reply, Teacher, when you say this, you insult us too. But he said, Woe to you, lawyers, as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. Consequently, you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, because it was they who killed them, and you build their tombs. For this reason also the wisdom of God said, I will send them I will send to them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill, and some they will persecute, in order that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between altar between the altar and the house of God, yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge you did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. And when he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began uh, began to be very hostile and to question him closely on many subjects, plotting against him to catch him in something he might say. Let's pray. Father, 
Lord, I I just pray right now for this time together. I pray that uh, those amongst us here this morning, that your will would happen among the hearts of everyone in this room. Lord, that be to grow some spiritually or whether it would be to regenerate a dead heart to life this morning. God, I pray that we see your will at work amongst us this morning. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. It's holy. It's perfect. It's righteous. There are no holes or there are no no errors in it. And we thank you for that. God, bless this time now. It's in the holy and righteous name of Jesus we ask. Amen. Amen. All right. So Jesus was pretty hard, just like he was last week on uh, this this separate group of people these lawyers uh they're just as they're probably a little more hard a more a little more harsh than they were last week look at verse 45 he says one of the lawyers said to him in reply teacher when you say this you insult us too now these weren't uh, regular lawyers as we would think of them today they weren't courtroom lawyers these were actually experts at tradition they're, they're theologians they're scribes they uh, they're the ones that developed the religious system that the Pharisees were following all right the Pharisees practice this religious system but the scribes are the ones that actually developed it and so they knew where all the loopholes were at and when Jesus was condemning the Pharisees actions the lawyers kind of felt insulted too the lawyer said, hey, Jesus, now this is, it's one thing to insult these Pharisees for practicing the law, but when you start insulting the system, then you insult us too. He said, you're not just attacking the layman now, you're attacking and throwing grenades at the religious elite. And you don't want to take us on, Jesus. So how did Jesus respond? It took him all of about 1.3 seconds to start throwing grenades and reload, reloading. He said, woe to you lawyers also. He said, thanks for reminding me. I got something for y'all too. And that's where we're at today. So I want us to look at these woes Jesus pronounced on the lawyers. He he gives three things that this legalistic system that they follow, uh, he gives three things about it. He speaks directly to the inventors of the system themselves. So here's the first point. They're loaders of legalism. Loaders of legalism. Verse 46, but he said, woe to you lawyers as well, for you load men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. That word load speaks to like a ship's cargo. Have you ever been on an airplane and saw how they throw the, the, the luggage on airplanes? You'll never take luggage and check luggage in if you ever watch them, how they load it or put anything valuable in it because they just chunk that stuff in there. But what they do is they they stuff as much as possible on the airplane. They're piling it on the plane. And and that's the picture here. Jesus say you he's saying you crush people with plane loads of baggage. And uh, and and so the scribes knew how to pile it on, but they had no idea how to provide to provide the relief. So what were they loading on? What was it that they were loading on? They were loading on rules and regulations. They were loading on rituals. Stuff that people could never hope to to remember, let alone obey. It wasn't God's law. It was their traditions. And and there were over 6,000 of these traditions, these manufactured traditions. And so it was like a burden. They they loaded this burden onto the people. And and this this next point is where it gets interesting. He reminds the lawyer, he says, while you're piling all of this on other people, while you're piling it on others, you yourselves won't even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Kind of sounds like our government, doesn't it? But you'd think these lawyers would obey their own rules, right? 
I mean, how could Jesus say they don't touch the burdens that they impose on others? Because that's where the loopholes come in. They knew where the loopholes were. The common person couldn't common, uh, couldn't uh, possibly keep up with all these rules. And these lawyers, they knew it and they took advantage of it. Uh, th- this attitude of theirs was very different than what Jesus taught, wasn't it? Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Their burden wasn't light. It was heavy. Their teaching created burdens, but what's the gospel do? It removes them. It removes the burdens. It strips them off, and uh, it does that through repentance. So legalism, what does it do? It, it crushes. Legalism crushes, but the gospel saves. Amen? Legalism demands, but the gospel gives. And legalism burdens, but the gospel forgives. Um, how many of you have read Pilgrim's Progress? If you haven't read it, I, I would recommend, highly recommend you read it. Anything by the Puritans is good. But just a, just a brief summary, uh, the pilgrim in the book, the pilgrim couldn't get a rid, couldn't couldn't get a rid, I can't speak, couldn't get rid of his guilt. He had all his guilt on his back. He couldn't get rid of it. And he meets evangelist who points him to the cross. He points him to the cross. He urges his, urges him to go there to find relief. And so pilgrim leaves. He's going on this journey. People are mocking him. His family's trying to get him to stay. Uh, but he goes on anyway. And as he's going through, he runs into worldly wisdom. And worldly wisdom told Pilgrim that he knew a faster way to get rid of the burden. He points him to the village of legalism and a man named Legality who lived on top of a hill. And so Pilgrim goes, but he got to the hill. And as he got to the hill, the burden grew and he couldn't hardly move on. He couldn't hardly walk. He couldn't hardly move on. So Evangelist finds him again and he directs him back to the light at the gate And so the pilgrim travels to that light again, and he goes through the gate and goes through the fence, and on the other side, he finds salvation. He finds the the road labeled salvation. And so he runs, barely able to run, but he runs to to finally see the cross. And below the cross, what he sees is a grave. And just as he gets to the cross, to his amazement, the burden falls off his back and into the grave, and he never sees it again. No more, ever again. Now, that's a powerful picture. Powerful picture. And that's the only place to lose the guilt that legalism puts on us is at the cross. The only place to lose it's at the cross. So, so we have a we have to bring our burdens, the burden of legalism. We have to bring the burden to the cross, and Jesus, that's where Jesus paid for every single sin, right? And that's that's where the the burdens will disappear, never to be seen again. Legalism can never create new life, ever. That's one thing it can't do. It can't create new life. Jesus did that at the cross. So that's the loaders of legalism. Here's the next point. The hiders of hypocrisy. The hiders of hypocrisy. Verse 47 says, Woe to you, for you build tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. So you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, because it was they who killed them. 
and you build their tombs. For this reason, also the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill, and some of them they will persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God, yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. I don't think any of us would have wanted to be an Old Testament prophet. I don't think any of us would have wanted to do that. I mean, they were, you were likely to have been beaten and killed um, and, and telling people that they needed to turn from their idols and turn to God wasn't a popular message. Um, so the very few who stood in righteousness, uh, the very few who did that, they were often what? Tormented. They were tormented. Um, Abel, uh, as we see in the text uh, that's mentioned, Abel and Zechariah, but Abel was killed by his brother Cain for bringing the proper sacrifice, and Cain was, uh, while Cain brought the fruit of his own effort, uh, Zechariah, he was the priest who opposed King Joash in Second Chronicles, and he was stoned in the courtyard for his trouble. So Second Chronicles, or Chronicles actually as a whole, was the last he, last book in the Hebrew Old Testament. So what Jesus is saying here, he talks about the first murder, talks about the first murder, and then he talks in the last book of the Hebrew Old Testament Chronicles, he talks about the last one. So what he's doing here is he's giving them a picture of the prophets saying, your fathers killed prophets from Abel to Zechariah, from A to Z, from Genesis to Chronicles, from the beginning to the end. And that's a thorough indictment from the beginning to the end, the first to the last. So his point is that the forefathers of the Pharisees were prophet killers. But as the prophets became revered in later years after their death, this generation here jumped on board. They, they built tombs to the prophets. Now why'd they do that? Matthew 23 says, if we had been living in the days of the prophets or the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So what they did was try to distance themselves from their, their ancestral guilt. But Jesus didn't have any of that. He wasn't having any of that. In verse 48, he says, So you were witnesses and approved the deeds of your fathers because it was they who killed them, and you build their tombs. So they were saying, well, we build tombs to honor these prophets. That's what they, they were saying. But Jesus says, uh-uh, your tomb shows your consent. They killed them, and you built, built the tombs to make sure they stayed dead. So what do you mean by that? How did the tombs show their consent? They were referring to physical tombs. They were referring to these physical tombs. Jesus was referring to the tombs of unbelief, where they buried the message. So what happens was, was with these prophets, they built these big elaborate tombs, and they, and they paid tribute. Their tribute was the tombs themselves. But they never spoke of the message that the prophets preached. They buried the message that the prophets preached with the prophets. So their tombs showed their consent. They honored them outwardly, but inwardly they rejected the one that the prophets spoke of. So Jesus threw down the gauntlet. He kind of laid the hammer down. The Pharisees were hiding their hypocrisy, these to, uh, their hypocrisy in these tombs to the prophets, but their real tribute to the prophet, their real tomb was their rejection of Jesus, and that told it all. So that's what Jesus says in the next verse, verse 49. He says, I will send them to the prophets and the apostles, and some of them they will kill, and some of them they will persecute. 
And they did. They did. They already killed John the Baptist. They were eventually going to kill Jesus. They killed Stephen. They stoned him. They killed James. So they joined their fathers in killing the very ones that brought the message of God. Just like their forefathers did. They built monuments to the dead ones, but their true legacy was to kill the word of God. Just like their ancestors did. But this time, God says, it's, he says, enough. Look at verse 50. So that the blood of all prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. So in other words, this era is over. It's over with. Judgment's coming. And it did. Did it not? Between... On that generation, judgment came you know, between 66 and 70 A.D. You remember when everything was destroyed. The Jews rebelled against Rome and they felt the wrath of God. Over a thousand towns in Israel were completely wiped out. The temple was destroyed. Uh, the buildings were destroyed. Thousands were massacred. Others were sold into slavery. And look, that's a message to us. That's a message to each and every one of us. It's a physical reminder of the fate of that's waiting for everyone who doesn't believe. Everyone who pretends to be a child of God, who pretends uh, to be a believer but doesn't walk in it. That's a message to every one of us if we'll go back and let it be. Um, all the ones you know, who, who claim to be Christians, all the while living disobedient lives, unrepentant, self-sufficient lives. Look, legalism's not going to save you. Legalism will not save you. And we're just as guilty today as they were then. Just as guilty. We build tombs to honor God and his word. Just like his building. We build buildings and we erect um, places to honor God and his word. But at the same time, we sit on the sidelines. At the same time, we do nothing outside the walls of those tombs. That's paying tribute to unbelief. That's what that is. And that what that does is make, that makes moralists out of us instead of believers. Makes moralists out of us. We come to church. We come to these tombs and these these buildings that we've erected because it's the moral thing to do. It's the right thing to do. We have no worry about the one thing that God saves us to be concerned with, and that's the souls of men. It's just like the guy who came out of the mountain. He came out of the mountains one day. He was all dressed up. He was carrying his Bible. And his buddy saw him. He said, where are you going all dressed up like that? man said, well, I've been hearing a lot about New Orleans. I'm going to go to New Orleans. They say there's plenty to drink, a lot of gambling, and a lot of women. The friend said, but why are you carrying your Bible? He said, well, if, it go, if it's as good as they say it is, I think I might stay over till Sunday. So the Bible was just decoration. It was an ornament. It was an ornament on a well-dressed corpse. Do we really love God's word enough to live by it? Do we love God's word enough to live by it? Or are we just kidding ourselves and everyone else around us? So we've seen the loaders of legalism, the hiders of hypocrisy. Here's the final point. Dealers in deception. The dealers in deception. And this is probably the worst thing out of all. They messed up the message. They were self-deceived. And because of that, they condemned others. Verse 52 says, Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you hindered those who were entering. So how did they take away the key of knowledge? 
How did they take it away? They misrepresented the word. They did it by teaching legalism instead of repentance. And it's just like today, just like so many of us today, they took the parts that they liked. That's what they did. They just took the parts they liked. Isaiah chapter 1 says, Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. So we think in the terms of who, who told them to keep the feasts? God did, didn't he? He told them to keep the feast. He told them to make the offerings. So how does he say he hates them now? Look at the end of verse 13. You don't have to turn to Isaiah. I'll, I'll read it to you again. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 13. It says, I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. I cannot endure iniquity in the solemn assembly. So sin and sacrifice don't mix. Sacrifice without sorrow, without repentance is shameful. That's why we, we talk about this so much. I tell you so many times that can, can unconfessed sin hinders your fellowship with God. It breaks your fellowship with him. It pushes you away from him. Unconfessed sin causes a lot more problems than we give it credit for. Malachi chapter 1 verse 10 says, Oh, that there were one among you that would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. So what's the problem there? It's the same problem that we're looking at. It's unrepentant hearts. Psalm 51, for you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You're not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are broken, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. So the Pharisees did. They hid this. They hid it from people. They said you had to keep the law to be saved. But the law was never given to save people, ever. It was given to draw out broken hearts. That's why it was given. It was given to teach us that we can't make it on our own. We can't follow it on our own. We need a Savior. So when they rejected Jesus, they rejected the only answer to the law's requirement when they rejected Jesus. So they rejected their only hope. So the best thing legalism can do is make the outside look a little better. That's it. It's just putting new paint on the outside, but you still got the same structure. That's all it does. It can't bring new life. It can't do it. It can only dress up death. So, so ritual without repentance is what? Repulsive. Ritual without repentance is repulsive. Write that down. What the gospel does is it strips us of hypocrisy. The gospel strips us of hypocrisy. It forgives the old and it creates new. But the best legalism can hope for is to make the best dressed corpse in town. That's all it does. It's just like the tax collector said, it's better to pray, Lord, be merciful to me as a sinner. But legalism, it loads it on, and repentance takes it all away. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you.
And Lord, I just, I thank you so much for grace. I thank you that your plan of redemption didn't include anything that I could do. There's no way I could live up to the law. There's no way that I could ever be good enough to earn your love, your forgiveness, your salvation. And you knew that. You knew it. And so, God, I thank you for grace this morning. God, I pray now that through the preaching, the hearing of your gospel, that if there be any amongst us that are trying to earn their way to you, that are trying to, to work their way to you, Lord, I just pray that you would break into their heart and show them that they'll never be able to do it. They'll never be able to find their way to you through any of their own efforts. God, I pray that that you would open eyes to the truth this morning, that you would regenerate dead hearts if it be your will. God, I pray that we would see your hand at work if it be your will this morning. We love you, we honor you, and we give you all the all the grace or all the glory right now. It's in the most heavenly name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, legalism, religion, says what? It says do. It says do this, do that, to earn your way to God, to earn your way to forgiveness. But the gospel says it's already done. It's already done. There's nothing we can do because Jesus has done it all. He's done every bit of it at the cross. It was completed. There's nothing we can do to add to it. So I'll just say this morning that if, if you've never been to the foot of the cross, if you've never laid all your burdens at the cross, today's the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. I say it all the time, but you could walk out this door. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. You never know when your last breath is going to be. Don't think you got time. Don't think there's always plenty of time. I'll do that when I get older. I'll do that, you know, when I, when I stop having fun. Because in a split second, you could be standing face to face with the creator of the world. It's too late at that point. There's no second chances in eternity at all. Today's the day of salvation. While you sit here this morning, if you have never been to the foot of the cross, if you have never put your burdens on Christ this morning's the time as we have this time of invitation let's talk about it come down and we'll talk about salvation or, or church membership or baptism whatever it is if you need to come to the altar and pray we can do that too but take advantage of this 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 time of invitation don't, don't leave this morning without following the lead of the Holy Spirit alright let's all stand <clears throat>